you just always have to be doing something whether it's like working or not or you got to shift a little bit or it's it all takes time like that's all takes time and diligence and i think being a good person too and not burning bridges when you go out is huge you see just people that go from like company to company and when they do that they burn bridges and it's just like those are the short players in the, in the it's not a game but it's business the way i understand some of those wyoming like unit specific tags is like the only reason they're unit specific is because they're trying to limit the amount of residents that are going into a specific like it might not be like a premier trophy unit type deal they're just trying to limit the amount of residents that they get in which is really trippy because you you have unit or regions whatever like g and h i mean it's taking people 12 points now 10 points to get into there as a non-resident and as residents over the counter the day before season opened like guys we got dropped off we were on sheep we just had seen some and we're keeping track of them they ended up dumping over into a saddle like through a saddle over into another drainage right before the season opened and uh you know there's like four hours of darkness there like there's basically nothing so we were able to like we got up pretty close to them and weren't able to find them and then uh basically for the next about seven days we just were in our tents mule deer uh, the last number of years have started they're the animal that they can just live so close to people and they're just so quiet and to themselves and just like kind of sneaky that makes them like super interesting to me whereas like you know elk a lot of the times they're just secluded as far away from people as you can as you can get it's kind of where you need to go to get to them sometimes like mule deer can just they don't have to always be that way and it seems like some of the bigger deer that i've found are the ones that are like closer to the road that they're just they're harder to hunt because of the little places that they are hey guys real quick before we get into this episode i need you to do me a couple of favors first go give us a review on itunes can't stress it enough it's really really important for me to help keep this free and to help me keep it going next get involved with your hunting rights Go join Howlful Wildlife. Super simple. Takes a couple minutes. You can even do the free membership. I don't care. But be involved. Lastly, I want you to do yourself a favor and up your shooting game and go get you some Phoenix shooting bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%. That's all I got for you. Let's get into this episode. Hi, welcome to Days and Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. Today, uh, we are coming live from the Hunt Expo in Utah. I have Jordan Bud with me, and uh, we're just going to kind of catch up, shoot the shit a little bit, and yeah. see what's going on. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. Um, why don't you just kind of give us a rundown about yourself and uh, what you got going on, what you're doing now. Yeah. Yeah, so Jordan Bud from uh, Northwest Nebraska originally, uh, grew up on like cattle ranch, just hunting deer, elk, antelope, all that right there on the ranch, and then um, just started getting into videography and stuff when I got a little later into high school and caught a couple of breaks, started working for uh, working for a TV show, doing like their production stuff, like filming especially, and doing some editing as well for TV, but. That led into, I was doing some writing for Rockslide for a while. Um, mm-hmm. I was doing their Rockcast podcast for a while. I'm now, I've got the outfit in Nebraska. So uh, running water hunting is what it's called. And we're running hunts out of there pretty much November and December. 
And then I'm co-hosting the Meat Eaters Gear Talk podcast now with Giannis. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Giannis good Doing dude. that. And then, yeah, just working with some sponsors and partners of my own and doing hunts. And, yeah, it's been crazy the last couple of years. Yeah. So. I mean, what I, I think when I first found out about you to, to now, man, you've you, <laughs> you jumped. Seems like it's gone quick. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, awesome, though. I mean, you can't. You, yeah. That's uh those are those are the success stories you want to hear. Like you know, people are. It's great that you're you're getting into what you love, doing what you love, and and being able to make a living at it yeah. is fantastic. Because yeah. I don't. I've been in this game for Jesus. I I can't even tell you how long now. I I can't count that high. Um, no, but honestly, since like early two thousand one ish, and except for when I had a hunting channel online working. Mm-hmm. The way I in the in the beginning, that's the last time that I could say I could have fed my family with it with mm-hmm. hunting. You know, everything I do now, and even when I had the TV show and all that stuff, it was like you, you take in forty thousand, fifty thousand dollars in in money and mm-hmm. sponsorship or whatever, and you spend fifty five. Oh yeah, you know? <laughs> so it was Definitely. always like a, a not a great business model, and I I was always thankful that I had my construction company which afforded me yeah. the time to to do what i wanted to do and yeah. i had afforded me the money and you know kept the roof and over the kids yeah. heads and all that stuff so but yeah and i don't know about you but like people asking now you know what how you get into it or what you do to like what i did to get to where i am like there's no roadmap i no. couldn't tell you i would hate to be starting over right now oh yeah <laughs> yeah i used to give people roadmaps and it's funny because I was a stepping stone for a lot of people who made it, but you gotta, you gotta be able to throw yourself into it wholeheartedly yeah. and like see a goal that you want and go for it and mm-hmm. just whatever it takes to get there. And I don't mean like be shy, shady and shysty, right. whatever, but I mean putting in the work and the time. And you know, so many people want to be like uh, insta famous or whatever, yeah. and and like have that instantaneous. And it just doesn't happen that way. Like you got to, mm-hmm. for some people it does. I'll back up. For some people <laughs> yeah. it does. But like you want to, if you want to succeed, you got to kind of like put your dues in. Yeah, exactly. So. And it's like, just, you just can't stop. You just always have to be doing something, whether right. it's like working or not, or you got to shift a little bit or it's, it all takes time. Like yeah. that's all takes time and diligence and like being a good person too, not burning bridges when you go out. One hundred percent huge. You see, I don't know, just people that go from like company to company, and when they do that, they burn bridges, and it's just like those are the short players. In the, yes, in the it's not a game, but it's a business, and you can't. It is a game. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> a little bit, but you know, and, and I used to say that to all the time. Like there was many times where I left money on the table. A lot of it came about because I didn't want to. I want. I didn't want it to affect my hunting because mm-hmm. that was more important to me than trying to make money. Yeah. So, but a lot of it is also the fact that, like, how could you go out there and say, "Oh, this is the best bow in the whole world," and then a year later you're with another company, and you're like, "This is the best bow in the yeah. whole world." You like you start losing integrity, and, and the viewers and the and the people that are watching you and the followers, mm-hmm. they start to look at it and they're like. You're just a snake oil salesman. You're just yeah. promoting the guy who's giving you the most money. Mm-hmm. And I never, ever, ever, ever wanted that for me in my life, you know? I yeah. was like, because I, I used to look down at people who did it, so I didn't want to do it for me. Mm-hmm. But 
for sure. So, Industry stuff, man. Yeah, huge. <laughs> yeah. So, kind of want to. I want to hear. I, I I followed you a little bit on Instagram mm-hmm. this year, so you you had some successes and yeah. I just uh, I figured we'd do maybe a little catch up and a little recap of your season, or yeah. maybe share a hunt or two with us. That'd yeah. Be great. Yeah. So first thing I did was Idaho. I'm an Idaho resident now, so um, hunting the nice. general there. You can hunt archery and and uh, rifle just on a general tag. It's like pretty good opportunities out there. So hunted archery pretty hard. Found a buck that um, another hunter ended up shooting like midway through the season, and then mm-hmm. just kind of. I felt like I floundered around a little bit there. Towards the end, I didn't have really good backup plans after that. But yeah, I went through, I ended up shooting, a, finding a buck the day before the rifle opener, like early October in, in uh, Idaho. Ended up shooting him opening afternoon, I think. And uh, yeah, from there we went to Wyoming. I had a really rough hunt in Wyoming. <laughs> I just, I've hunted like that area quite a few times in like, it's one of those places for whatever reason archery season's good like you see a lot of bucks but mm. come late season especially when they shed their velvet man they're sticking into the trees and um oh yeah super tough so yes. i never hunted wyoming in the late season i always was there for archery and one time i didn't fill my archery deer tag i filled my archery antelope tag i was like you know what i got some time i'm gonna go back yeah. And I went back. I ended up getting a buck. But, man, I could not. I was like, there's always deer here. Like, And I always wish I had a rifle in my hand because, you know, with the bow, you're like, oh, man, they're over there. I can't get to that with the bow. You know, with a rifle, if I had a rifle, I could shoot them. Yeah. But none of these deer were ever ever in the same spots. And I never, like, you know, I guess I, I know that in Arizona that happens all the time. We, But I had never been there during that. And it was yeah. crazy. It was like. They disappeared completely. Oh, man. Yeah, it's it was crazy. We had, there was a ton of, we got uh, like a foot of snow probably, uh-huh. and does were just bailing out of the high country like okay. crazy and just could not turn bucks up. So I know they're in there though, so yeah. they're just holding tight. We couldn't turn any up, but uh, yeah. When does the rut start over there? Like you'll start getting rut activity 30th of October. You'll okay. kind of start building into it. So it, the season's pretty much done by uh-huh. the time, by the time that goes on. So I think the twenty fourth is when it stops. So this is another thing that happened to me on that specific hunt that I was talking about is places that were open for archery were not open for rifle. Did you, is that mm. is that true in the region you were hunting? Uh uh-uh. uh Did you did you got was it a region tag or was it a unit specific? It was a region. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Yep. Yep, it was a region tag. The way I understand some of those Wyoming like unit specific tags uh-huh. is like the only reason they're unit specific is because they're trying to limit the amount of residents that are going into a specific. Like it might not be like a premier trophy unit type okay. deal. They're just trying to limit the amount of residents that they get in, which is really trippy because you you have unit or regions whatever like G and H. Uh-huh. I mean, it's taking people. 12 points now, 10 right, points right, right. to get into there as a non-resident and as a residence over the counter. Yeah. It's crazy to see that. Where I hunt or where I did hunt, I haven't been I haven't been there in like five, six years now. Six, hey, oh shit. I think it's seven years. I could draw it every year. Nice. As a non-resident. It's not a, you know, quote unquote trophy mm-hmm. uh, unit or whatever uh, region. 
And I, I just always went there. I seen good bucks. Never, ever really got into any like giants, you know. But one sixty buck, you could find yeah. one sixty bucks and one seventy. A couple of times we we came across some really 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 big ones, but a lot of like one twenty, one thirty bucks, yeah. you know, like that kind of a that kind of an area. But it was a really good antelope spot mm-hmm. too. So I used to love to parlay going. You know, I'll it's go there for eight it. days or whatever, and I'll hunt both and. Hopefully, could fill both eggs. Yeah, I always enjoyed it, but I've been on this like elk kick lately. And I say elk kick; I've always loved elk hunting. But I started playing the OTC stuff a little bit more, so yeah. I put the easier to draw stuff. So I'm going elk hunting more often. Mm-hmm. And the archery season in Wyoming doesn't open until September first. So kind of like it's like, oh, I can't tell my wife, hey, I'm leaving September first. I'll be <laughs> back on the seventh, but then I'm leaving again on the seventeenth. Yeah. Not going to work. So, you know, uh, I got to pick and choose my my battles and uh, not really battles, but I got, I got so many get out of jail free cards, I guess, yeah. you know. But, um, yeah, so that's part of the reason why I haven't been back. But I'm 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 considering because I next year for sure I have enough points to draw the elk tag that I want there. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably go for all three in one oh, shot. Oh, yeah. Nice. I hadn't done that since... It'll be 13 years that I had all three. Oh, man. Last time I was there, I, I, I got a nice bull. I could use like a 330 bull, good bull. And I shot an antelope. And I did not get a muley that, that year, but I got two out of the yeah. three. And I was super stoked. Nice. I'd like to go there and get the trifecta. Yeah, we'll see. that'll be cool. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to dive more into elk this year. We're going to do some filming for in Idaho for mule deer. And uh, we want to do that for rifle hunt. So it kind of eliminates my archery season uh-huh. locally so i think i'm gonna dig into elk a little bit more it's gonna like force me usually i like i say i'm gonna go elk hunting and then uh, i get distracted by deer so really yeah. i'm the opposite really yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 i i uh i don't know i think elk is probably number one on my list it's hard for me to we actually just had this conversation with somebody the other day that i I can't really pick one. I love I love hunting everything. Yeah. But I think if you had to hold my hand to the fire, elk during the rut is my favorite hunt. But I don't think it would be the animal that I choose just because of opportunity mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Like deer is definitely a larger, yeah. uh, you know, for opportunity-wise. You've got a lot more opportunity out there. I love hunting coos deer. Have you ever been to coos deer hunting? No, I filmed it a couple times, but I haven't hunted it myself. Oh, you got to come to Arizona. We'll take you coos deer hunting. Yeah. It's yeah, fun. Yeah, we need to. It's super fun. Um, the draw is coming up in May Okay. for that, for rifle. Okay. Archery, I would say come for archery, but archery kind of sucks now. And the wind system that it's set up for the out-of-state hunters, mm-hmm. it's... It's not as good. Yeah, I shot a because uh, we wouldn't sh- know where we're going until you get there. <laughs> I shot a late archery bull down there in eighteen. Oh, cool. in Arizona. Yeah, nice. That was. Rough. Oh, you know what? I think I saw that. Yeah, it's that a tough one. Rough. Eighteen's yes. tough in general. One because there's a shit ton of private land mm-hmm. to navigate. Or I just meant 2018. Oh, 2018. Yeah, oh, I, I thought you were in UT. No, uh-uh. okay, my bad. So what? Um, what unit was that at? Twenty twos, twenty two south. Oh, so. Yeah. yeah. Lots of elk. Yeah. Not a lot of great elk in there anymore. Yeah. Most of them used, are broke up. Used to be a primo hunt, like was up there with 23, which yeah. is right next door to this, literally the 
best unit in the state next. Yeah. That and nine, it's argu- arguably both goes both ways. But twenty two, they started managing that for a opportunity hunt mm-hmm. because there's so many elk there, like mm-hmm. that. It's really shot out the age class, and yeah. it's it's not that great of a hunt. That late archery hunt is it could be very good. You only had south, or was it the whole? Unit? I only had south. Okay, so yep. south. I mean, you were hunting in the desert then, pretty much, right there. Pretty much, yeah. It was still pretty damn mountainous. In, in the mount, in the Matazels. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, it was uh, it was rough, but like I love hunting down there and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I miss it. Yeah. I need to get back. That's fun. I need to get back. Maybe Kuzier would be a good one to go back for. Yeah. Because that would be completely different. Completely yeah. different. Yeah, we'd probably hunt if you came with me. We'd probably hunt you down closer to the border. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Different, different terrain, different feel, different look. You're a lot like Mexico if you went to Mexico yeah, yeah. Yep. In, in a lot of ways. It depends. Mexico's either oak country or, you know, Ocotillo's and, and um, you know, uh, like true desert looking. That's what, that's what I've been in. Okay. Down there. So, like that's true more, desert. More likely that's what we, we, we would do if yeah. you came home with us. But the... Um, I've had that late archery tag a couple times. Yeah. I love that. I love that hunt. Man, I do too. You like just glass and game, yeah. but trying to, especially if you're by yourself, trying to get on yeah. holes is like damn near impossible. Yeah. I would you never do that hunt by myself ever. Yeah. You have to have a spotter. Yep. So. I, I, we, we hunt them like we hunt deer. Luckily in Arizona, you're allowed to use radios. Yeah. So I definitely utilize that. I'm not. Oh, for sure. Well, once you once you get there, man, and yeah. then you get over to where the bull is supposed to be fifty yeah. yards below you, and he is fifty yards below you, but you can't, can't see, see him. him. Yep, yep. <laughs> You're like, there's no way you could do this on your own. Man. Yeah, that's tough. And twenty two's chock full of like manzanitas and that like oak scrub brush. It's very easy if they lay yeah. down. You're not even seeing them. Oh out. man, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, my my wife had that unit. Um, she had a rifle hunt. The last no, it was it last year? Two years ago. Nice. Yeah, she she got a nice little bull. We only had a few days at it, so we weren't being super picky. So we, just, we saw a nice branch antler bull, so we're like, let's let's do, let's do it. Yeah. It was a it was kind of tough. It was a tough hunt because he was actually in those manzanitas, and you know we had not a, like a crazy hike, but it was like a difficult hike to it. Mm-hmm. And then getting them out, man, I took I felt like it took forever. It really wasn't forever, but it felt like it took forever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was super proud of her. That country's, that country's rough. Yeah, can be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What so, other hunts did you do this year? Um, gosh, did the Wyoming one, and then I did a Drew Montana like general deer tag. Okay. I went up and ended up shooting whitetail um, up there, like in the rut, middle of November. So, uh-huh. Yeah, that was that was fun. That was uh, well, I wouldn't say different, but just navigating around private a lot. Nice. Typically, I feel like I'm in the in the uh, national forest, and you just like yeah, just don't really have to think about it. <laughs> turn your private on X layer on. You just like no, no, you're going to be in uh, in forest all the time. But that one definitely was navigating around some some private, but the white tail there. Yeah, the white tail tend to nav or congregate around private and yeah. ag and all that ag, stuff. Yeah. yeah, I actually shot a nice white tail there, which. I got pictures to show for it, but I don't have the rack anymore. My cameraman at the time took it with him, and he put it in his storage, and I was going to get it from him in Wyoming when I went to go hunt the next year. Um, 
just because I didn't want to fly back with it. Yeah. And he was he was driving from Wyoming to Montana. Mm-hmm. And then I forgot what happened. Something happened. Is I think he forgot to pay his bills or something. And they, and they they confiscated it. I don't know what the hell happened. I, I, not confiscate, but they like commandeered all his stuff. Yeah. And I never got my rack back. It was a great yeah. buck. Drop tine. Sweet looking. Sweet looking whitetail. Um, but anyway. Yeah. I digress. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask you if you yep. would share with us what your most memorable, most favorite hunt mm. was. And then if we got time, share with me a hunt where you learned something about hunting that's experience or excuse me, that species that changed the way you hunt today. You could mm. choose either or right now. Just pick okay. one and we'll go, we'll go to the other after. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, uh, most memorable one I think I'll probably talk about is my sheep hunt in uh, Alaska a couple years ago. It've been 2021, pretty sure. Uh, yeah, we went to the Brooks Range and um, we did like a it's basically a film for six hour and first light. And uh, yeah, it was it was crazy. We it was like 10 day hunt on the books. Basically, ended up being about nine in the. Uh, I guess it was 10 in the field with, uh, we got dropped off a day early, a day before the season opened. And, um, we got on some sheep, like before the day before season opened, like right as we got dropped off, we were on sheep, we just had seen some and we're keeping track of them. And they ended up dumping over into a saddle, like through a saddle over into another drainage right before the season opened. And, uh, you know, there's like four hours of darkness there. Like there's basically nothing so we were able to, like, we got up pretty close to them and weren't able to find them. And then uh, basically for the next about seven days, we just were in our tents. Like, just, just with the... Terrible weather. Oh, man. It was miserable. It was just like, you can't see anything. Like, mm. it wasn't so much it was raining or snowing or whatever. It's just, just it's in. all sucked and you can't see anything. And the way you move in that country, it's, you have to be able to see stuff. Like, right. Yeah. Or otherwise, you're going to walk past things so um that was challenging like just mentally Mm. especially you know you like build up and wait have been waiting for a hunt like that for you know a long time there's been a lot of build up and then you get in your tent you can't see anything and you're looking at the inreach and all the days you have left have a snowflake on them you're like i finally got here and like we're not even gonna get a chance to really hunt much so we did that kind of, it was pretty much on and off for like a solid five days. And then, um, we had a couple of days where we were like half days in the tent and I think it was like, we had to be back at the airstrip Friday morning to fly out. I think our flight was flying out like at 7am on Friday and we had to be back at the airstrip and this ended up being, it would have been, uh, Wednesday night. We, uh, went down off this ridge and it finally started to break up our guide found four rams three miles ish as the crow flies but like across this big drainage like you had to go back down through you had to like get back in the tree line and go the brush line and like cross through this big thing and then come back up and hit the alpine again and he told me he's like we're kind of down to our last days like yeah he's like i think if we leave right now we can get to those sheep but I'm pretty sure there's two of them that are probably legal, but not 100% sure. Hopefully, they're still there. It's going to take us a long time to get to them. But he's like, I think if we leave right now, we can probably 
we can get to them and have time to shoot one and then get him back out to the uh, to the airstrip. Nice. And so he said, or we're already in sheep country. We can just keep kind of navigating some of these spines and looking down in the little crevices and hoping that there's a sheep. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, we've just been sitting around. Right. Like can't even hunt really. I would rather go after the sheep that we know are there. Right. And have it not work out than just wait around hoping that one's going to pop up. So I'm with you. Yeah, we ended up leaving. I think we left at five, like five in the afternoon on that Wednesday night. And at like, um, gosh, I think it was two or three o'clock the next morning, we got all the way through the brush line back up to the Alpine and we were a thousand yards from them. Wow. And they were still bedded. And uh, we ended up, after all those storms moved through, it was like the first night where it all cleared off and it was just even like nasty cold Mm. and uh the slope that we were on there's no place to pitch tents so we just like pulled our sleeping bags out and got in them and just laying on the ground it was just the like yeah worst worst word you could think of (laughs) oh yeah it was bad so um yeah we waited for it to get light enough the rams got up and were feeding around went into this little crevice and so that was kind of our move to make, and we we were below them, but we got behind a little ridge, shot up to where we were level with them, went over and got to this, like, I just remember there was a big slab of rock that had a giant crack through it, mm-hmm. and my guide, like, stuck his head through and didn't, I expected him to be like, oh, they're going to be right there right away. Right. And he stuck his head through and, like, nothing, and I'm like, they kicked out the back on us, and we didn't, we're not even going to get a chance at him. And about that time, I saw him look straight down like this. And he's like, oh, shit, they're right there, 100 yards. Oh, shit. And it's like too close, <laughs> you know, almost too close. Too close, yeah. So there were two legal rams for sure, four total. They started making their way. This was probably, this was like a 300-yard little divot. They could have rolled around the hill really easy on us. Well, And they tried to, but they kind of knew something was there, but didn't. they weren't like running away from it, but mm-hmm. they were a little freaked out. And... They just started, like, walking dead away from us. And then I'm like, man, they're not even going to give me a shot. Like, yeah, uh, they're going to roll around the hill, and then we're going to be kind of back where we started. And uh, the ram that the guide called out, he ended up, like, quartering pretty hard away from me, but he gave me enough of a shot at, like, 240 that I, I got him shot. And we, we broke him down real quick and then – um, packed them all night back to the airstrip. I think we got back to the airstrip at 4 a.m. with him. Wow. And the plane came in at 7, so. Jesus. Yeah, it was. Uh, down to the wire. Yeah, definitely down. Down to the wire. So that was a memorable one. Yeah. It's funny how the ones that have a a, a significant amount of suck <laughs> factor oh, to them are the ones that stick out. Yeah, we. Uh, yeah, we all had a lot of weight on. When we got back, we weighed my pack, and it was 104. And I wow. Was like, yeah. No, That's a lot. Shit, man. I I remember standing up and taking, like, a few steps uh-huh. and just thinking, like, I don't know if I can do this, actually. I was like, well, I'm just going to have to I, make it work. My hat's off to you. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I probably could, but I very rarely try to go over 75 pounds. Oh, I just because I know. I mean, it's like you're one slip away from screwing up oh yeah forever it was really dumb like yeah. i should have never oh, i should have never I'm quite done a bit it. older than you too so yeah. i gotta i, I stopped yeah. doing those crazy things a long time ago mm-hmm. yeah i 
I hope we don't do it again. So I, yeah, I like couldn't feel my toes yeah. for like a couple weeks, and uh, yeah, it just ended yeah. up being actually something. a couple years ago, not a lot this last season, but the season before we were in Idaho. But we weren't. It, I knew it wasn't that long of a pack out. That's the first time I've taken a bunch of weight in a long time. It was just me, my buddy uh, Dan, and Charles, uh, my, the partner, my partner mm-hmm. with the Health of Wildlife, and uh, I shot a bull, and we took the whole bull out, just the three of us in one shot. I had a lot, but I felt I have a hernia. I have a couple of hernias actually. Oh. I felt them the whole time. I thought. <laughs> Oh man, this is bad. My guts are gonna pop out of my stomach here. I'm like, oh, I don't know man. if this is a smart idea. <laughs> yeah, it's so, uh, it's really not unless you absolutely yeah, have to. I, I made a pact with myself that I was not going to do anything stupid like that ever again. But anyway, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, if, we got a couple minutes. If you want, uh, you got a story where you had like a. I hate to call it an aha moment, but like a moment where you like learn something about hunting a species and maybe now that's like it changed the way you hunt now. Yeah. I think, uh, mule deer, the last, uh, the last number of years have started. They're the animal that they can just live so close to people and they're just so quiet and to themselves and just like, kind of sneaky Mm -hmm. that makes them like super interesting to me whereas like you know elk a lot of the times they're just secluded as far away from people as you can as you can get it's kind of where you need to go to get to them sometimes Mm -hmm. like mule deer can just they don't have to always be that way and it seems like some of the bigger deer that i found are the ones that are like closer to the road that they're just they're harder to hunt because of the little places that they are, but and they're used to avoiding humans. They're just used to avoiding humans, and they know it's the like white tails back east. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They live underneath your porch, and you don't even know they're there. But yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm trying to think of like a good. I mean, even this year, the deer that I ended up shooting in in Idaho, he he was living literally 300 yards behind these guys' camp, and the guys that were like in camp they would leave, like, leave the entire area mm-hmm. every day to go hunting and we're just, right. like, hiking their asses off and stuff. Dude, I was, like, taking the side-by-side around on a road and going out into a little finger and glassing up into where we had just barely caught a glimpse of this deer one time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he's living in there. He's got to be. Like, where else yeah. is he going to go? And, uh, yeah, opening the opening afternoon, we... Uh, Went to glass and pretty early in the evening caught him feeding in just a little patch of like grass that was mm-hmm. in some trees and made a move on him and shot him. And, uh, and the light bulb went off and you're like, oh, yeah, I need to stop overlooking these things. Yeah, they just live in so many like yeah. overlooked little spots that's, yeah, it's like chess, it's like chess with them. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, that's one of the reasons I love those things so much. I know, I know that very well. I actually learned that a long, long time ago, but Whitetail taught me yeah. that. I used to go to this like WMA when I lived back east. Actually, I was already living here. I was already living. I not all live here in Utah. I live in Arizona. I was already living in Arizona, but I was going back east to go hunt. And every morning, you know, 
there's like five parking spots. And once those five parking spots are filled up, there's nobody else mm-hmm. to be in that WMU or whatever it's called. WNMA, they think they call it actually. Anyway, so I would get there and of course everybody go in and they try to get as far away from the parking lot as possible. And and I, I started realizing, I'm like, all oh, these guys are they're pushing out here. Like, those deer are in here. I know they're in here because I did the scouting mm-hmm. beforehand. They didn't leave this. And I started looking, and I'm like, where do they go? They're all by the, by the damn parking lot is where they're at. Everybody's walking past them. Everybody was walking past them yeah. in the dark with, you know, with their headlights. Mm-hmm. So I started hunting that, and, of course, I had success. And then I, that, was, that was a thing that stuck with me, and I, I really – I actually made my bones hunting all those little spots mm-hmm. that everybody else overlooked, you yeah. know. Yeah, it's so. almost like uh, – in a way, it's almost like taking a step back. Yeah. And not, yeah, that's all I can, that's all I can think to relate it to is like, just taught me to take a step back and look yeah. at like the whole picture instead of just trying to go deep all the time. Right. Oh, I look at it like this, like, does it have what they need? Are they, gonna, are they avoiding people? What's the pressure look like? Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily like every little spot that's off the side of the road is going to be great. It's what makes them go to those little spots, mm-hmm. you know? Why do, why do you need to be here? What's the pressure like, you know? That kind of stuff. And deer and elk and pretty much every critter I've ever hunted, they want to be where, they're, where they feel safe or where they got food. Yeah. And, you know, it's not that hard of a concept, know. you know? I mean, you just got to look at it abstractly and be able to put the pieces yeah. of the puzzle together. Yeah, you start talking to people, you know, like Robbie is good. Yeah good guy i've talked to a lot and hunted with a little bit and he's i talked to him a little bit about it this year i'm like man it's easy to overanalyze some of this stuff Mm -hmm. and just go too deep in on it and then once you think you know like slopes that's a question we got a ton of like all the time is like what slope do you catch them on yeah like man where they're at where they're at like i've thought like oh south slope like this is exactly where you need to catch them like they're not going to be on the north slope and right. then you, you catch bucks on the north slope and you're like well i don't even know what i'm doing then. right <laughs> that's the thing like so like in arizona everybody's always like oh you always got to be glassing into the sun and they're right for the most mm-hmm. part because it's a desert it's hot even in the winter time those deer don't want to be in the sun too long like you got the first two hours but i've i've found them everywhere yeah you know i found them everywhere it's just you can't discount one for the other just because the rule of thumb is this, right? Yeah. Maybe start with the rule of thumb, but then when you're not finding them a rule of thumb, say, okay, time to turn around, look the other way. Mm-hmm. That kind of, you know. Yeah. That's, I found a lot of success not overanalyzing, yeah. not getting stuck in a, you yeah. know. Yeah, because it is, like you say, like it's fairly simple. Yeah. If you step back. Just like yeah. going to the basics and just looking for deer, looking for yeah. elk or looking for coos deer instead of looking for like one feature that right. you think they should be at. It's like having too detailed of a plan. Exactly. Is is yeah? You want to have a plan. You plan you, but it needs to be like an outline. Yeah. It, it can't be like a whole syllabus. You know, it yeah. needs it needs to be a little bit more abstract. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's look at this. Let's go to this place first. Let's do that, but not not focus. Don't get too hung up on the plan because plans fall apart all oh, the time, man, especially yeah. in hunting. Yeah. So, well, cool. Um, 
I thank you for coming on. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it. Spent a little time with me over here, and uh, it was good to meet you in person. Yeah, you too. Yeah. So thanks a lot. Do you have anything uh, you want to shout out or talk about before I let you go? I don't think so. I I guess the only plug I'd make is like if you're a gear junkie, I tend to be um, like gear stuff. We're doing that Meters Gear Talk podcast now. We're kind of digging into like nitty gritties of fabrics and all kinds of stuff. So nice. If you're interested in that, check it out. I will. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, guys. Thanks for checking out the show. Really appreciate you. Keep those reviews and those comments coming. Helps us keep this free. Do me a favor. Go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%, all one word. And check out Howl for Wildlife. Thank you very much. And we'll catch you on the next show.